calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. At Staples, we have the experience and expertise to keep your facilities clean and safe with over 5,000 professional-grade facilities and cleaning products in stock every day. And with next-day delivery available to over 98% of the U.S., you get what you need when you need it. Our experts can help you solve tough challenges, too. They average over 15 years of facilities experience, so you can be sure they understand your needs. That's the Staples Business Advantage. Sign up at staplesbusinessadvantage.com. This is John Roca, one-third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another brand new episode of The Geek Buddies! <gasps> We're back at it today with a lot of things to cover here on The Geek Buddies. Certainly going to jump into these two trailers for uh, Across the Spider-Verse Part 1 for The Matrix Resurrections official trailer number Two, we're going to talk a little penguin action, talk a little Shang-Chi action, and get into a main topic that deals with the possibility that Charlie Cox might be coming back to the MCU, or is officially coming back to the it's MCU. It's not a possibility, it's a guarantee. You are right, guaranteed it for sure. Uh, we're going to speculate about that in our main topic, but first let's introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw, John Roker, writer, producer, and host here 
on the Geek Buddies and the Outlaw Nation. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Goldbergs, and Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Good stuff. And uh, as we have been brought to you, uh, as we have been sponsored by over the last few weeks, we are sponsored again by the great folks over at Carbon Health for what we're doing here on the show. Thank you so much for being our sponsors. Carbon Health is a leading national healthcare provider with a mission to bring high-quality healthcare to everyone urgent care, primary care, virtual care. They have 90 clinics in 14 states, and they offer virtual care in 24 states. They believe everyone deserves good health, and they like making making it possible for everyone to make high-quality health care accessible uh, to them. And uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just a big fan of what they're trying to do here, gentlemen. You want to be able to have health care. Everybody needs to have health care. The fact that they're willing to try to make it as accessible as possible and give it to you virtually for those that cannot leave their houses or don't want to leave because we've got a new variant rolling through our lives now. Uh, this is such great stuff, I would think. Don't you? I think so. If, uh, given the day that I've had, I need some serious health uh, advice. So I, I welcome Carbon Health. I'm glad that they are here. I'm glad that we can talk about them. Yeah. And I'm glad that uh, they are on my side because I will need to speak with them very soon. <laughs> <laughs> and just just talking to someone, just seeing someone face to face, doing a virtual appointment, that can, that can give you a lot of confidence. You know, we we as people sometimes go down the rabbit hole of WebMD and start mm-hmm. to self-diagnose ourselves and are convinced that we have some sort of some sort of rare disease. When it turns out, maybe we just need to rest a little bit. And sometimes just some some friendly advice from a healthcare professional is the first thing we need to kind of calm our nerves down. (laughs) And like the three of us, they have three pillars to Carbon Health. That's accessibility, values-driven, and human-centric pillars. They all combine to deliver a positive experience for you. Which one of us is which one? one? (laughs) What are they again? What are they again? I'm going to go with the accessibility pillar, which is focused on removing any barriers to quality health care. The value-driven pillar is based on the philosophy that we are committed to doing the right thing for our people and our patients. And the human-centric pillar acknowledges that each person has a unique health journey, and we want to meet them with high-quality, personalized, and accessible health care. I call human-centric. I knew you would. I really knew you would. <laughs> I knew you would. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm all about removing barriers, so I'll be the accessibility pillar. Then and Shannon has values. He doesn't yeah. like curse words. I think this really worked out great. I think so, too. There you go. Carbon health. Uh, just like the Geek Buddies, three pillars of greatness. Uh, I said that. That's right. Take it to the bank. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, for those of you who are new to our show, thank you very much for taking a chance on us. We're going to have some fun talking about some geeky goodness. And for those who come back every week, thank you very much for staying on the Geek Buddies train. The way this works is each of us brings up a news topic. We talk about it amongst ourselves. There's three news topics. Then we take a quick break uh, and for to hear from our sponsors on the podcast and then jump into our main topic. And Charlie Cox officially being confirmed by Kevin Feige and Amy Pascal to be in the MCU is our um, our main topic. So we're going to get to all of that for sure. But first, uh, I think Shannon McClung is up uh, first here. That would be me with trailers, trailers, trailers. We've got only two, but I said three because the two trailers are just so huge, it spilled out into another trailers. <laughs> the first one is our second look at the Matrix Resurrections. Now, we talked last week how there was there was a TV spot where they started to really focus on there being uh, deja vu, how that was a glitch in the Matrix that was established in the first Matrix film. Uh, they build on that in this one, and we also get a pretty clear indicator 
who our antagonist is for this movie. But before we go in to what I thought of this new trailer, I will throw it over to you, gentlemen. What did we think at this uh, uh, latest and presumably last look at The Matrix Resurrections before it hits theaters later this month? That's good stuff. I just want to throw that in there. Uh, go ahead. It literally, it made me dizzy. It made me dizzy watching it. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, go ahead. What do you think? Uh, it's a hell of a trailer. I mean, mm. yeah, they definitely, uh, in a lot of ways, a lot of the things that we were all discussing and conjecturing, like Jonathan Groff, pretty much Agent Smith. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty clear. <laughs> I don't think that's even a spoiler to say because that is all over that trailer. Uh, that was really interesting to me. Um, old Jada Pinkett Smith mm. was interesting to me. Um, kind of giving you a sense of how much time has passed uh, outside of the Matrix. Yeah. And the other thing that was interesting to me is that uh, given a lot of what was discussed, this not this story not being the way that we think it's going to go, uh, this is this is the most important decision Neo's ever had to make, but it's not Neo's decision. Um, it really seems to me, based on this trailer, and could totally be wrong on this, that Trinity is very much more in the forefront of this uh, than, um, than I think people were expecting. And I think that's really interesting because from coming out of the Matrix, the Trinity effect or uh, the, the Trinity sort of trope kind of became a thing, which was the whole concept of being uh, a, char a female character who was super badass at the beginning of the movie, but then kind of became a character that worked in service of a character that was not as badass as them, but then somehow became more badass than them at the end, who was usually a male character. And that became a thing that they talked about with the Matrix and the Lego movie, and lots of movies do this. Huckle. And I think that, uh, and I think that um, if this Matrix movie sort of flips that on its head, and puts Trinity in the forefront, and that the, some a lot of the decisions that Neo has to make and whatever's going on with this is all about Trinity. I think that's going to be really interesting, and I think really smart. Like I would actually really love to see that. Now I could be totally misreading that, but uh, based on this trailer, I took that away from it. So uh, yeah, I mean, look at this point, I'm so curious. I'm so jazzed. I think as we said last week when we talked about the Deja Vu TV spot, uh, it looks like they're biting off a whole lot. I hope they can chew it. I hope it's not more than they can chew. Um, but I'm definitely intrigued. I think that there is going to be endless discussions about this movie as soon as we all see it. So I think there's going to be a lot uh, a lot to go over. For sure. And I agree with you, brother. I did a trailer reaction earlier today. Uh, well, as we're recording it, I guess. As we're recording it earlier today, but it's, we're dropping this. So it's yesterday. Um, I, I, it, I got the same thought. It, it, it came through real clear that it looks like they're going to make Trinity the focus of this, that it's Neo who is trying to maybe bring her back or in some way reestablish her in, in, in the Matrix universe. And this whole voiceover of like, this all feels familiar yet different. Why? We're approaching it from this angle. The idea of Groff essentially being the new Agent Smith, a young Neo, an old, I mean, sorry, a young Morpheus, an older Niobe. This is interesting to turn it on its head. What does this mean? Why did they keep him sedated for so long? What is it about her that they're afraid of awakening if they're embracing the awakening of a power that could change everything that she has had inside her? And maybe they presented Neo as a way to distract her from fully embracing her power. So there's a lot of levels that this could be working at for sure. Also, the meta aspect of this, seeing the Matrix movies within this Matrix movie, I had heard that. 
in passing from other people's kind of sly reviews about the movie who'd seen it at, at festivals, but I did not anticipate seeing it quite in this way. So that's something that could really work or really not work. And I'm, I'm curious to see if Lana Wachowski is going to get it right and hit the right notes with something like this, but the visuals are un- incredible. Yeah. I mean, just the, just the cinematography alone, the, fr- the um, framing of the shots, everything feels like we're going back to a 4k matrix uh and remember in 1999 when we all saw it um it was it already felt like that was 4k for that time now we've got an even cleaner more beautiful approach to the matrix with much more to explore here uh and and much more how can i say this much more of uh wormholes to go into to figure out what the connective tissues are with everybody who is coming back and with the new characters who are coming into this uh universe Yes, agree. I mean, the story, like, who knows what the story is, right. how the movie is going to be visually. Um, you know, the, the first Matrix film, that sort of revolutionized the the, the special effects mm. um, with the addition of bullet time and everything that they did. Um, just imagine what Lana Wachowski is going to be able to do now over, you know, over 20 years later. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to see, like, with Jonathan Groff. I mean, I, I've yeah. been on a big Hamilton kick. I saw Hamilton at the Pantages here a, a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and so I've been watching it on Disney+. Plus. I've been listening to it as I write. And Jonathan Groff as King George to his role in Mindhunter. I, I think him playing kind of the heavy in a movie like this, I'm like, oh, this this could be this could be very, very, very exciting. But, yeah, mm-hmm. the Trinity, Trinity definitely was the focus of this trailer. And, you know, the, the fanboy theories... Uh, start to at least in my head start to spin out of control it's just like okay well yeah she looked like she died but the machine sure could keep her alive for right. some purpose uh yeah it's gonna be super super exciting what are you gonna say mike i'm just i'm just so jazzed that uh you know, I went back with my brother, I think I said this when we were talking about the trailers previously, and rewatched the second and third Matrix movies, because when we saw them in theaters, I think I count myself as one of the ones who, I love the first Matrix, I was pretty disappointed in two and three, yeah. um, and never really went back to revisit them again. Like, to me, Matrix was still one of the all-time great movies, but as a trilogy, it's not one of my favorite things. Um, and going back and rewatching them, I definitely appreciate them a little bit more for a lot of the ideas that were in there, but mostly, I'm just so excited that... A movie trilogy that I think a lot of us kind of are like, ah, oh, that kind of ended on mm. not 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 my favorite note. For all of us to have this much excitement, for these trailers to sort yeah. of get us this invested, to be back in the Matrix and to want to know what's going on and to be really, really invested in not just the first movie, because this movie is definitely picking up on everything that happened. Like, whether you like the second and third movies or not, like, before you go see this one, Go back and rewatch those movies because yeah. you're gonna need to because they're not they're not doing a whole oh we're gonna pretend the second and third didn't exist just watch the first one like even right. in just watching the things that are here like you're gonna have to know some shit and I'm just jazzed that I'm this stoked about it I I wouldn't think yeah. that I would have been this excited about another Matrix movie and I am real real excited about it yeah I'm a little worried about because I got a screening coming up of it uh, I can't say when but I'm coming out soon and I've got to go cram those three movies and see. If I can get myself, because you're right, you're absolutely right to say that. It felt like that after you watched this trailer, like, oh crap, I better watch all these movies because there's yeah. probably going to be a lot of allusions to a lot of things. We didn't, we don't even get that much of the Merovingian yet, you know. So you're like, well, what's his role going to be? What's his part to play in this? And I, I'm not sure if Monica Bellucci's coming back. What is her part going to be in all of this as well? And and listen, studios, IP franchises, 
they are focusing on female leads. They are focusing on people of color being their leads in their franchises as they reboot or reignite their franchises. So don't be surprised that this is kind of a weird t- twist to make a Trinity the lead in the in possibly what may be a trilogy, the beginning of a new trilogy, or just kind of putting a button on this franchise uh, right on the end with this one. So we shall see. But it's great to see Carrie Ann Moss getting some love because you all know ladies who pass a certain age don't always get the lead franchises in Hollywood. Yeah. It's nice to see it happening here with someone as talented as Carrie Ann Moss. Well, and if our listeners are like us, that they need to go back and watch all three movies and really get their heads wrapped around the world of the Matrix again, you have about two weeks because it comes out yeah. December 22nd. And the second trailer that we got, one, we kind of had Amy Pascal kind of let us know that something was going to be on the way. Um, but just what it was was pretty surprising. We got the first trailer for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part one who knew that there were two more movies coming maybe three we don't know but this trailer starts off we get to see gwen stacy reach out to uh miles morales and asking he he lets her know in his childhood bedroom um (laughs) he lets her know that he's grounded she says is spider-man and they go off on a little animated adventure and it sure looks like miguel o'hara's Spider-Man 2099 jumps in with a completely different animation style as well. Um, I thought this was visually spectacular. Riding the coattails of that first movie, which was so fantastic. Many people would argue that is the best Spider-Man movie by far. Um, I I think we should probably uh, 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 turn this over to Vogel, our animation expert. Oh, Uh, What did you think of the first trailer for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse? I mean, it. I, I'm I'm with you. It blew me away. I uh, I was so stoked. It kind of just came out of nowhere. Like I was just mm-hmm. like scrolling through Twitter, and it was like, oh shit. Uh, love that. Love that we see an older Miles. Uh, I love that Miles and Gwen's kind of relationship is seems to be at the forefront of all this. Um, but there's so many little things like. The sketches in Miles' sketchbook are so well thought out, like a very specific artistic style. Like sometimes when you watch an animated show or an animated thing where the animated character is an artist, the art that they're doing is always sort of like it sort of looks like the world. Like they just sort of did like a pencil sketch of like what it what the animation style of that world is. And like they clearly have done a very specific artistic style for Miles, especially given the graffiti he did in the first movie. But then to your point, when it all of a sudden flips to this very, very stylized look of Miles and uh, Spider-Man 2099, uh, my boy Oscar Isaac, kind of looking like they're like hopping through different um, realities, different universes. The style is so different that I was trying to like wrap my head around how this fits within the style that we know from the first movie. Mm. And I really think that they're just going for it. I think they got so much credit for all of the chances they took stylistically with the first movie. And I am sure that there were executives early on in that process that were really questioning whether audiences were going to go along with, you know, the comic book panels and everything else that they did in that movie. And the fact that people embraced it so much, I think is giving them the freedom to push things even further in this movie. And I think we're in for like, for, 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 Everything that we saw in that last movie that was so dynamic and so visually stunning, I think they're doubling down on this one. Like, mm-hmm. no idea what the story is. I hope we're getting a trilogy. I mean, I mean, I hope we're getting a, a new trilogy on top of the first movie. Like, I would love a part one, a part two, and give me a part three. Like, 
whatever this world is, just given the Lord and Miller of it all, given how much I love that first one, like I'm a thousand percent on board with this. And I know Johnny is very excited about uh, Spider-Man 2099. I mean, please, you, you talk about your boy. I mean, Spider-Man 2099, I'm, I, I know I'm going home for Christmas to see my mom for the first time in two years. After I say hi to mom, give her a big hug, I'm climbing into that attic and finding all my Spider-Man 29 comics. And hopefully the rats haven't eaten them all if there aren't. <laughs> so hopefully they're still there somewhat protected in their plastic covers. And I want to go back and revisit and read them all again and kind of get back into that world because it was great. I didn't know how jazzed I would be to see the animation for Spider-Man 2099. Yeah, it was fun to get that kind of end credit scene there in, into the Spider-Verse, but it was great to see the kind of contrast in animation styles as he's as a, a Morales, Miles Morales is fl- uh, stumbling through or tumbling through all those different portals and different uh, times and different universes. Are we going to be centralized in the Spider-Man 2099 universe? That excites me. Seeing some of the pencil drawn animation stuff, which you guys were pointing out, excites me as well. But also seeing that this is an older Miles. This is an older Gwen Stacy. They're taller. They're longer. They're thinner. There's, it's been a couple of years. They look more like young adults. So where are they at in their relationship? He's got that sketch of her. Uh, and of course, which is a great moment in the, in that first look uh, footage we got where she's like totally getting it that he's you know got a thing for her. She's got the haircut, the same haircut with this side cut down just a little bit and this side longer. So kind of an allusion to that as well. So what's the story going to be? And she gets him to jump out, even though he's grounded where are we going that's what excites me and reading that it's not going to be the spider people that we had in the last movie it's going to be a new batch of spider people who are they going to be and the addition of christopher miller here right phil lord did the first one with other writers this is phil lord and christopher miller with other with dave callahan who wrote the shang chi script combining together to write this script so no surprise to me and pretty gutsy mikey as you said here that no you know uh they they're going all out here to do a part one and a part two. Like, I don't think that's ever been done in animation to have a sequel that is in two parts, one right after the other. So it's pretty surprising to see that here uh, in this situation. And it shows you the confidence that Sony has with this project. Because remember, Amy Pascal didn't even want to put it up for best animated feature. So that's how little they didn't know how much uh, of a gem they had in Into the Spiders. Well, and talking about the addition of some of the writing talent, yep. uh, you know, one of the directors is Joaquin Dos Santos, right. who mm-hmm. is huge in the animation world. Like if yeah. you if you have seen Legend of Korra, if you've seen uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender, you know, Voltron. does some and Voltron does some incredible, incredible Justice League action. Unlimited. Oh boy, <laughs> do, do, do you want to take over? We're already yeah, twenty minutes, so uh, let's keep it going. <laughs> he does well. He does well. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. And when that's, do we have an announcement when that's dropping? October 2022. That is the, that is the date that is listed on IMDb, October 7th, 2022. Let's see if I make it that far. All right, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait, I can't wait. Uh, Well, let's move on to our second uh, subject here, and that's Colin Farrell. He is set to reprise his role as Penguin in a The Batman spinoff series for HBO Max. I think the three of us talked about this is a rumored story a few weeks ago. Now this is official confirmation. He has, This is according to Variety. He has signed on to star in an, and executive produce, no surprise there, a series spinoff of the Batman for the Penguin. Lauren LaFranc is attached to write the script for the series, along with Farrell, director Bat, uh, uh, Batman director Matt Reeves and the film's producer Dylan Clark are going to executive produce the series as well. 
Uh, they're talking that this is going to be something that picks up after the Batman and showcases the Penguin's rise in the world of organized crime. So a very interesting decision and yet further proof that HBO Max is kind of following this model from Disney Plus with MCU and bringing these big stars in uh, to varying degrees to be the stars of these HBO Max series that are connected to DC comic book characters. So, gentlemen, Colin Farrell signing on to be a part of this thing. And HBO Max is creating some damn good content lately. What is your reaction to this being an official thing now? And what do you expect to see from Colin Farrell in the Batman? Like, what position is he in in the Batman in terms of where he is in the world of organized crime? You know, we've always talked about one of the challenges with the Gotham series is how do you do a Batman show without Batman? Right. And just off the tiny little glimpse we've gotten of Colin Farrell as the Penguin in the trailers for the Batman, it's kind of hey, like, come on, guy. Oh. I mean, that guy, it's like, yeah, I would watch a series about this guy. I mean, Colin Farrell is one of those actors, you know, he's been around a, a good long while and, and it took him a long time to find his footing because he's yeah. a really good looking guy. And the the natural inclination for that type of performer with Hollywood is you put them in the leading man role. And then once he got a little bit older and he was not so reliant on doing those starring roles, when he got to adopt these more kind of charactery roles, you really got to see, I mean, he was already a terrific actor, but mm -hmm. you got to see him just blossom. I mean, you, you, you watch him in films like, uh, the Gentleman or In Bruges, like these films where he can really stretch his muscles. And the fact that he's willing to come back and be buried under all that makeup, um, some performers love that. I've, mm -hmm. I've worked in prosthetics a few times. I am not a fan of it. it it's so restrictive. Um, but the fact that he not only uh, is agreeing to star it, but he's going to EP it as well. And mm -hmm. he wants to climb back in that makeup and give us more adventures with a, <laughs> more adventures with a Oswald Cobblepot, I think is awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, it makes me curious on a few fronts. One, if the move, if the TV series is about his rise within the underworld, mm -hmm. where is he in the Batman? Like, what That's role what is he playing? Like, he's clearly not—I don't want to say clearly—it seems as if he is not a big heavy hitter uh, in the Batman. So it's going to be interesting to see the role he plays. Mm -hmm. And to Shannon's point, it's going to be—you know—all bets are off now. Like, usually, like when Gotham's the perfect example, like. When Gotham was a series and, you know, Warner Brothers and CW and everybody had their Fox has all these rules about you can't show this character, you can show mm -hmm. this. And there's all these things. But with, as Disney Plus has shown us with the Marvel series, like all bets are off. Like we're assuming that Batman won't show up in this series and that they're going to have to explain what the Penguin is doing and why he's doing it around Batman. And we don't see Batman, but who knows? Yeah. Maybe we are going to see Batman. I mean, not all the time, but maybe he's going to show up. Like maybe Robert Pattinson's going to show up. So I I'm really curious about it. Um, obviously with all the DC stuff, like the Batman is probably one of the things that we're all the most excited about. Mm. Uh, I hope it's as amazing as it looks. And if it is that amazing and they've got bigger plans for it, both on HBO Max and with further movies, you know, it'll be interesting to see how long, how far they can take this new franchise. I did just watch, uh, we were decorating our tree the other night and we put on Batman Returns because, you know, it's an important Christmas movie that is in the Christmas rotation. Um, and revisiting Danny DeVito's Penguin, it's a hell of a thing. It's a hell of a... Yeah, look, I see people clamoring to have Danny De DeVito come back as Penguin. Please stop. Please stop clamoring for that. I don't want to see that. No one wants to see that, for God's sakes, no. Listen, I'm... It is Listen, an iconic. Danny, it is an it is an iconic turn. It is. I'm not gonna yes. say it's. I'm not gonna say it's 
the Oswald Cobblepot that I necessarily need, but maybe it's the Oswald Cobblepot that I deserve. Okay, fair enough. That's 1992. So, I mean, you know, there's been some time that has passed. Uh, I don't want it, but I'll I'll take Michelle Fiverr's Catwoman any day. That's for damn sure. Have her come back for sure. But listen, this is not Colin Farrell's only foray into television. Remember him doing season two of True Detective? A lot of people right. don't want to remember that series, but he was good in that season, even if the season itself was not good. And he just did North Country, the North Water, rather, that was on AMC Plus drama. If you haven't seen the North Water my God, get ready for that one. That is an incredible one that he has done. So to me, he, as you, as Shannon said, he is, he is a guy who was a lead actor and figured it out and figured out that he is actually a character actor in a lead actor's body. And those are always great. I mean, Brad Pitt's kind of that at times as well. And those are, it's always great to enjoy them in kind of the smaller roles, the more uh, fun showy roles where they don't have to carry a film and they can really have some fun within the, within the lines. And so Colin Farrell being a part of this and leading this, especially as Shannon pointed out, the character that he's playing, as we see in the trailer, this is going to, this is going to be a lot of fun. And you mentioned, how do you do a, um, a, a, a Gotham series or a series set in Gotham without Batman? You cast some heavy hitters to play the characters that are not right. Batman. That's how you do a series. And this makes a lot of sense for them to go down this path with Colin Farrell. And we'll see what we're going to get because we also have that Gotham series, apparently that's based on the police department that's coming as well. So there's, a lot that they're going to uh, explore here. Uh, Mikey, you've got our next uh, news item. What's up? I certainly do. Well, uh, meanwhile, over at our good friends at Marvel had some big announcements. Uh, and that is that director uh, Destin Daniel Cretton, who directed Shang-Chi, is back on board for Shang-Chi 2, which he is currently working on. And not just that, but he <laughs> is also working on a Disney Plus series uh, as well. And uh, not a lot is known about the Disney Plus series, aside from the fact that it is a comedy um, but, uh, Kevin Feige says, you know, Destin is an amazing collaborator who brought a unique perspective and skill to Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. We had a fantastic time working together on the film, and he has so many intriguing ideas for stories to bring to life on Disney+, Plus. so we are thrilled to expand our relationship with him and can't wait to get started. Uh, and, uh, Destin says that, uh, working on Shang-Chi with Kevin and the Marvel Studios team was one of the highlights of my life. I couldn't be more excited, uh, about where we're going. I can't wait to explore new stories and build new worlds with this community. So, uh, you know, we got a lot. And as we, as we were saying, it's the same with what HBO Max is doing, but, you know, we live in this world now where... We're fully integrated. It's not that we have one version of these characters on screen in the theaters and a different version on TV. Like whatever he's creating uh, for Disney Plus is going to fit right in with Shang-Chi, with Shang-Chi 2, with the rest of the MCU. Uh, and it's really interesting. I mean, I think that just like with Ryan Coogler's announcement that he was going to do some kind of Wakanda series right. on Disney Plus, this is allowing us to expand the worlds that we're seeing in the MCU beyond just who the main character is. Uh, obviously, and we talked about it a few weeks ago with Black Panther 2, big question of who the Black Panther is going to be and where that's going to go. But whoever it is, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, Okoye or M'Baku or whoever ends up being Black Panther in the movie, there's a ton of amazing characters that have already been introduced in Wakanda that we're going to see. And now similarly with Shang-Chi, it sounds like uh, in addition to carrying on Shang-Chi's story and wherever that's going to go, a lot of the amazing characters, a lot of the amazing places that we got to see in this movie and that we'll get to see in Shang-Chi too, we're going to get to see uh, deepened and explored further on Disney+. Plus. So I think it's a win for all of us here, but uh, what do you guys think about it? Yeah, look, uh, the, the, I want to say the weekend after uh, Shang-Chi had come out and had, mm. you know, 
made such a splash that people already kind of were making these fan title cards of the sequel, the Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Iron Fist. I mean, there's there's <laughs> so, yeah, you know, and, and whether or not they choose to use Danny Rand or the fact that they have announced that there's going to be someone taking the mantle from Danny Rand in the comics who is going to be of Asian heritage. I mean, there, it's, it's really kind of uh, a fertile storytelling ground. Um, that was one of the things coming out of the first movie is like, I really enjoyed that. I want to see more of him. Like, yeah. like Aquafina got a lot of the good comedy, Aquafina and Ben Kingsley. So let's, let's give, give Shang-Chi a, a, a little bit, a little bit more of the haha this time, along with the punching and the kicking. Um, in terms of the show, you know, there had been a rumor that they were going to develop a 10 ring series that, yeah. Um, presumably would have starred uh, the Jailene character, Shang-Chi's yeah. sister. Um, yeah. But the fact that they're saying that it's going to be a comedy, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I suppose you could, I suppose you could make it funny, um, but I'll be curious yeah. to see it's whether- a challenge, that's a real challenge for a workplace comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, look, I actually think, never mind. I think that's it. That's the yeah, idea I mean, right there. The dude who was- the, the dude who was- Wait again. The, the dude who was one of the fight uh, thing was making jokes all the whole time. And he's a well-known Asian comedian. So it could work for, and you throw in Aquafina in there. That is absolutely a comedy. Razor fist tapping his watch. Yeah. You're late again. I mean, Wong and uh, <laughs> Abomination had that funny exchange before they jumped through one of the portals. So it seems to me like you could make a workplace comedy out of that, but they probably won't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I like this idea and I'd not, I, I got to get a little bit more familiar with what Hulu's Onyx Collective is because they're bringing in a lot of people of color to kind of lead the way in creating this these product, these TV shows rather, and these series and these movies. And so it's interesting to see that kind of happening underneath the umbrella of Hulu and what they're changing. And Hulu itself is coming out saying they're changing their brand name and approach to things. So that is that is exciting. So you're seeing a place where they can go and have a little more freedom to create content. Well uh, that content will expand the brand and make it more diverse. And that is, I mean, and look, and that, that does bring up a good point. Like we are presuming that yeah. what he is doing is within the Shang-Chi universe. And Great we might point. be completely wrong about that. Like yeah. this might be a comedy that he's had in his heart for a long time that as he is doing Shang-Chi too, he is going over to the Onyx Collective and is pitching this thing. And it, maybe it's peripherally tied to it. Maybe it's mm. not tied to it at all. And we're going to be like seeing something completely different from him. So I think that there's a lot of possibilities what it's going to be. But, you know, I think it also serves just got to I got to say it because we cover this all the time and we mm. talk about it whenever it comes up. But so many people love to dog on Marvel as being, you know, the the mm. the 90 pound gorilla that's ruining cinema and, you know, ruining all things in movies and how dare anybody want to go direct a superhero movie. But you see what's happening, uh, what's happening with Coogler, now it's happening with Cretton. Like you see yeah. all these uh, directors, uh, female directors, directors of color, directors of different backgrounds, coming in doing a Marvel movie and that opening, the, and including Taika Waititi in this, like, yeah. and that opening the doors to them being able to do all kinds of other projects. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some within the superhero universe, some outside of the superhero universe. And, you know, so I think, I think there's a lot to be said for uh, the halo effect that Marvel has, uh, has some really positive effects, whether people want to, uh, admit that or not yeah yeah and it's a it, look it's the last two generations are who has been making this happen so 
the older generation complaining about it, it's irrelevant. This is going, this is progress, and this is the way forward. And the fact that the older generation didn't clamor to have more people of color involved, more women involved, it's the younger generation, the more progressive generation, who is making that happen as executives and as creators themselves and as executive producers themselves. That's a positive. And so whatever the complaints are, things are changing, and rightfully so, and in a good way, and they're still great work being created within the confines of marvel and some really emotional uh incredible emotional journeys that are happening within these characters as well so you know miss me with that crap um all right anything else that uh we need to touch on on this uh, subject for you guys no, i'm just excited to see where we go with it absolutely all right well uh let's take a quick break and we're gonna jump into our main topic and that is talking about the fact that charlie cox aka matt murdoch aka daredevil is now an official part of the MCU. We'll be right back after this. Oh, man. Oh, come on! Uh, you yeah. got one job. One I know. job. I know. I didn't think about it. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 when, our, when our recording got delayed 15 minutes, I accidentally fell asleep for about <laughs> a few minutes, and, and my brain just went back to one. I feel like he's blaming you for this one, Mike. I feel like he's. You should have done the. Uh, you should have done that Evanescence song, "Bring Me to Life," that they used in the Ben Affleck I literally, Daredevil. I literally movie. just thought about. <laughs> That's what it should have been. By the way, have you guys ever seen the the, the quote unquote director's cut of that Daredevil movie? I'm oh, so curious. The, oh, the one uh, the rap artist who's in it. Oh, okay. I can't remember his name right now. There's. Yeah. There, yeah, there, there's a there's a musician in it, and there's there was a whole uh, storyline that was cut because oh. Matt Murdock is that's that's like the courtroom storyline is he's defending this guy. Oh, wow. Um, okay. That, yeah, because he was in the first trailer. Like there was right. a quick shot of him in the in the trailer. I can't for the life of me, I can't. Uh, who was that? All right. Hold on, I'll get it. Well, that's uh, well. While Shannon figured that figures that out, let's <laughs> jump into the actual thing that here that has happened. Kevin Feige was talking to Cinema Blend, my brother Sean O'Connell over at Cinema Ben, who's been a guest of mine on the Outlaw Nation show a couple of times. He wrote the book about Zack Snyder's Justice League that came out a few months ago uh, in preparation for the actual version of the Justice League coming out as well, his version, Snyder's version. He had the interview with Kevin Feige. He Coolio. Asked him, it, was, it was Coolio. Sorry. Oh, great. It was Coolio. We could have waited on the explosion, but all right. Coolio <laughs> it is. Um, <laughs> Kevin Feige was asked about this idea of Charlie Cox and absolutely surrendered this statement. If you were to see Daredevil in upcoming things, and to clarify, he said Charlie Cox, yes, would be the actor playing Daredevil. Uh, there's no upcoming Daredevil projects in the works. Ke Feige added, where we see Cox's Daredevil, how we see that, when we see that, remains to be seen. And uh, fans went crazy over this. Vincent D'Onofrio, who we heard his laugh in episode three no one, of Hawkeye, no one's going to tell me that wasn't his laugh, uh, has been kind of tweeting about Hawkeye a little bit. So we may be getting elements of the Marvel Netflix show showing up. And even uh, Vincent D'Onofrio tweeted about Deborah Ann Wall coming back to reprise her role as uh, Karen Page. And no word yet on the actor who plays Foggy, if anyone's going to clamor for him to come back. But right now, these three ten poles. Uh, like the three geek buddies in the three pillars of carbon health. This is exciting <laughs> <laughs> to have um, the Kingpin possibly in Hawkeye. Then the idea that Charlie Cox is officially confirmed as Daredevil and Matt Murdock and possibly Deborah Wall coming back as Karen Page. But let's deal with the Charlie Cox of it all. How excited were you guys to get the official confirmation? And do you anticipate that they're doing this ahead of time 
because Spider-Man No Way Home is coming and he will possibly have a role in that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, no, look, I think that um, the set, look, because for, for those who don't know, like in the Daredevil comics, yeah. uh, Matt Murdock, very long, on the Brian Michael Bendis run, was outed as Daredevil. Like, yes. uh, you know, Matt Murdock was Daredevil, Daredevil was Matt Murdock, and Matt Murdock had, as a lawyer, had to sort of clear his own name. Um, and so the second that Spider-Man was outed at the end of Far From Home, that's where people started being like, oh, we got them. Wouldn't Matt, wouldn't it be great if Matt Murdock showed up? Wouldn't it be great? And I'm sure that Kevin Feige and a lot of people internally at Marvel felt the same way. So I would not be even a little bit surprised. I mean, obviously it's something that's been rumored. It's been discussed. Uh, so already I wouldn't have been surprised, but now I'm certainly not going to be surprised about it. Uh, and I think that just like in Marvel Comics, Matt Murdock, the lawyer, shows up all over the place. Like Daredevil has his Daredevil stuff, but whenever there's whenever there's a legal anything in the Marvel universe, there's a good chance that Matt Murdock is somehow just going to show up in a fun cameo. And so I do think that as we get further into the Disney Plus series, as we get further into the Marvel movies, whether or not we're going to see Daredevil running around in his own story, whether we're going to see Daredevil show up or not, I think there's a good chance we're going to see Matt Murdock. I would almost guarantee you that you can expect to see Matt Murdock going up against Jennifer Walters in the She-Hulk series that we have coming up. Like, yeah. you have a legal comedy series coming on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we're going to see him. And I think that, as you were saying, that combined with the fact that we are all but sure that Kingpin is showing up in Hawkeye. Yeah. Uh, it really does seem like Kevin Feige has made a decision about at least most of the, at least some of the characters from the Netflix series uh, and that they will indeed become canon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this, this definitely seems like the, uh, this is the most you're going to get out of Kevin Feige in terms of who's in no way home. Um, this, this is the red meat he's throwing to the fanboys. <laughs> that if you, if you see Matt Murdock in the MCU, it's going to be Charlie Cox. Um, yeah, man. I mean, again, you know, there, there have been all the rumors, there have been all the, you know, supposed leaks. Um, to get confirmation, I think to get confirmation from Kevin Feige about anything MCU related is always exciting. Um, and yeah, I mean, it certainly opens an interesting door to who else are they going to use from the Netflix shows? I mean, those characters are now on the table. There's not a ton I would want them to use. I mean, I don't know. Like, I love John Bernthal's Punisher. Wow. Does he fit in the MCU? He's a very, it was a very intense version. Um, you bring that up. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> He had a comment um, about it. So go ahead, go ahead. I'm going to uh, Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I, I would love to see John Bernthal's Punisher in the MCU, but also it seems like it might not match up. Then again, if they can make Deadpool, uh, if they can and shoehorn Deadpool into the MCU, into the confines of the MCU, I'm sure they can do it with the Punisher as well. Yeah. You know, Kristen Ritter's Jessica Jones, eh, maybe. Eh. Mike Coulter's Luke Cage. Man, he looked awesome in promos, and he looked awesome when he was fighting. Anytime he had to... He had to emote. I was not the biggest. I was not the biggest Mike Coulter fan. Wow, you just you just going after the hole. Okay, all right, go ahead. I didn't even bring keep up reviewing all the shows. Go ahead. Yes, and <laughs> I, I think I think I think I think Iron Fist is probably least like voted most leak like least likely to make the jump. Yeah, the defenders. <laughs> <You> know, like... <laughs> but man, listen, I'm, I'm going to say this, and I and I I know I'm maybe out on a limb here, but I, I liked. Um, I didn't like the Iron Fist series. I like Iron Fist the character. I like Danny Rand. I like the story. I collect 
the graphic novels for Iron Fist. I enjoy that story, but I get that it's not really the the right time to go with a white dude co-opting in essence in Asian culture. But I learned a lot about the Asian culture from reading some of these comic books and being investigating and investigating rather some of the concepts that are talked about or spoke about some of the history. So I don't want it to be seen. I I, I would love to see the the Iron Fist back, but you know you can go another route with it. But I don't want to kill the character because because they they messed it up the first time around. So I, I would like to see some version of this. People and this is exciting, right? We're opening the door to more and more stuff with this idea of. Charlie Cox opened the door to Daredevil. I love what you said, Mike, that he can pop up anywhere. And certainly, Charlie Cox, if you're not watching him on Ken, another AMC Plus show, you're missing out. Uh, that's a fantastic show with him and Kieran Hines and uh, Aiden Gillen from uh, the Game of Thrones there, this Irish mob show. It's so good. So he's great to just show up where he can show up. And he does great work like Boardwalk Empire. So to see him kind of take this on would be exciting. Now, you talked about John Bernthal. I want to follow up with this, what you said, Shannon. He, he was interviewed recently for The Hollywood Reporter for a new film he's got coming out. He was asked about the Punisher coming back to the MCU. And he said, quote, he's really in my heart, man. He's really in my bones. And he said he's, quote, enormously protective of Frank Castle. And he said, I think if there's any let up on that character, you do a disservice to the character, to every iteration of the character, to all of the unbelievable fans of the character. It needs to be that level of darkness. It's not about whether you do the character. It's about whether you can do it right. And I'm only interested in doing it right. And he said that to go into the darkness of that character, he had to really kind of go into the mind of someone killing his wife and killing his actual child. And he said it was a really dark place for him to go to as an actor to create that role. So, but he does not see it as a, you know, Marvel fun thing. So, they're opening the door to Deadpool being R-rated. Why wouldn't they open the door to being Punisher R-rated? But he could still pop up in a Daredevil-related thing, not necessarily be R-rated in terms of his actions in the Daredevil thing, but could be R-rated on his own stuff. So I love that these doors are slowly creaking open from the Netflix series. Yeah, you know, uh, I think I've talked about it before, but there's uh, I have some friends who are casting directors and I've helped hmm. out reading for being the reader for, you know, bigger name people that come in to read for movies. And one of the people that I've had that I have read with before is uh, John Bernthal. Yeah. And that is a, he is a, an intense, intense man. I mean, he's, he's a phenomenal actor as, as you've seen his work, but at the same time, like thinking about the behind the scenes, like the press junkets for some of the Marvel, the, <laughs> for other Marvel properties, you see everybody kind of laughing and getting along. And I'm like, oh, I don't know how this guy. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, I'm just picturing, I'm just picturing a press junket. I'm just picturing a press junket where John Bernthal is sitting between like Paul Rudd and Ryan Reynolds and just being like, just sitting there, just scowl on his face. Angry. And, and look perfectly polite very very yeah, very sure. polite very professional but when he turns that on i mean it was a role that was kind of similar to frank castle's it's like oh yeah this is this this is an this is an, an intense guy well, but again I, the comedy i mean we if you've seen king richard he's very funny in the role he plays in king richard so mm -hmm. just letting you guys that's out on hbo max right now sorry mike go ahead no i think well i think what's what's going to be interesting to see is you know, those three seasons of Daredevil mm. covered a lot of Daredevil's story. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, you, there's a there's a lot there that that they got. I mean, you know, obviously a lot of the him and Karen Page stuff, mm -hmm. a lot of the Electra Nacho story with the hand. Like there there was a lot of things 
uh, Daredevil and the Punisher that they really hit and hit really, really well. Yeah. Uh, Daredevil's relationship with Kingpin, the origin story of Bullseye. So there was a lot that it's covered. And so it's going to be interesting to see, like I said, like Kingpin is one of those characters that once you absorb him, him into the Marvel Universe... Kingpin is so huge in the in the Marvel universe in the comics that you don't need to do a Daredevil specific story to use Kingpin. They can use him oh, yeah. all over the place, right. uh, and so that's very very exciting. Similarly, with Matt Murdock as a lawyer in the Marvel universe, who secretly is part of the superhero community, really really well used. But it'll be interesting to see how much they go into Daredevil. Like, mm. does Kevin Feige have a plan? for a daredevil movie where they're going to cover new territory. Are they going to retread some of the territory that we've already seen in the Netflix, but do it in a different way because Kevin Feige didn't necessarily love the specifics. Uh, or is daredevil going to be like that supporting player uh, that shows up as we see more things like we were talking about uh, this week in our Hawkeye review yeah. that we're seeing some of these characters that exist more on that ground level of Marvel and will daredevil as a superhero just show up uh, as a side character in some of those. So it, there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of potential um, and there's a lot of ways they could use these characters. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see who all pops up, where they pop up and sort of, how much of the actual Netflix series themselves are canon or how much Marvel's like, we just want to basically ignore all that. Uh, sure, it kind of existed. We're not going to touch it. We just really want these two or three characters. Yeah, you say that Stephen DeKnight was asked on Twitter uh, on Tuesday, yesterday, as we're recording this, uh, this morning actually was asked, this is a, a article from comicbook.com, and was asked, uh, he's the season one showrunner, if... They, this his series will be MC will be uh, MCU canon, and he said quite just two words: no idea. So even the showrunner has no idea if they're gonna work stuff we saw from those three seasons of Daredevil. Remember, we got Elektra, we got Punisher, we got much more here. Are they gonna work that stuff into uh, this version of the MCU? And I also think this is brilliant by Marvel, by the way, to have these ground based heroes. As we're about to go farther out into space, as do we get stuff like the Eternals, which apparently have been around for 7,000 years, we're also getting ground-based stuff, stuff we can touch, stuff we can hold on to, stuff we know just as kind of a foundation and a pillar from which to spring off of to see this other stuff. It's it's brilliant what they're doing, and they're turning all of us, who, well, tell you this, let me say this correctly, they're turning everybody who isn't maybe a comic book person into a pseudo comic book person by having them keep tabs on all these different movies you're these are essentially issues that you're watching instead of reading about these characters and it's brilliant well and speaking speaking of like particular issues john like one of yeah. the things that whatever they're building to starting with phase four like you know we don't know yet yeah, yeah. um but one of the things that was the most fun you know when you went to your either your comic book store your your local your local grocery store if they sold comics you'd see those random issues where spider-man is teaming up with someone and like right. we've kind of gotten that like with with homecoming he was he was being mentored by tony stark no way home doctor strange is going to be there but thinking of daredevil as like a hulk-like character someone that has mm. had one movie that's essentially kind of disconnected from the rest of the MCU, with the with the exception of uh, Thunderbolt Ross, but having uh, a Spider-Man movie that it's Spider-Man and Daredevil teaming up, seeing like these two heroes teaming up for one movie, you know, I I think that sounds like so much fun. Like I don't know if that 
that would be essential in the building blocks to whatever they're building to next. But that's where a character like Daredevil and maybe even the Punisher could yeah. be incredibly useful. Yeah, Mike, what do you think? Do you, I mean, you, know, you, you, you sit in on meetings like this sometimes. Do you think that they would look at Daredevil as someone to pop in movies but not necessarily have his own movie and actually keep it to a Disney Plus series following the kind of pattern from Netflix and what they did? Uh, or do you see him maybe having his own series, his own trilogy, or whatever? I, I think what Marvel does better than a lot of places is they make it look like they've been planning everything from the beginning <laughs> when they're really not. I mean, and, and, and I don't mean that as a diss. It's actually a compliment, which is yeah. they they hedge their bets. They have a bunch of things and they put them out there and they know that depending on how things do, what the box office does, how the fan community reacts, okay, we're good, let's do it. Like, yeah. I mean, even like, you know, Bucky dying in First Avenger, as just a random example, were they absolutely doing that with the idea towards Winter Soldier being on the table? Mm. Sure. Did they know for sure they were going to do Winter Soldier as the next movie? Maybe not. But the movie came out, they're like, you know what? I think this is good. And like, so they, they keep doing it and they keep going, this is good. And I think that everything they're doing right now with Kingpin and with Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock, I think it's also sort of a hedging of the bets. It's a, yeah. let's see how this goes. And if it goes well, maybe they're going to make an announcement that Disney Plus is going to have Daredevil season four. Yeah. Maybe they're going to have an announcement that there is a new Daredevil series that is loosely tied to the Netflix series. Mm. Maybe Daredevil just starts showing up in Moon Knight and She-Hulk and Miss Marvel and all of these other shows. And you're like, cool. Like, there's so many things they could do. And if everybody freaks out and thinks Daredevil is the absolute coolest thing in the world probably a pretty good bet that we're going to see a daredevil movie sometime you know end of phase sure. four phase five something but also not necessarily and i think that's where we will look at it down the road yeah. five years from now ten years from now you know when galactus shows up and daredevil and jessica jones and luke cage and moon knight and everybody and blade and they're going to be like they knew like we got the eternals hitting the head you got everyone else on the floor hitting the foot and they're going to say they planned it this way from the beginning and you're like well they had a lot of plans and it worked out this way. <laughs> well, it's good to have a lot of plans. You got to be flexible. That's for sure. I mean, thinking of that approach, it's always fascinating to go back, to go back and watch like phase one movies and think about what seeds oh, yeah. were planted in some of these that did not produce fruit. Mm. I mean, obviously yeah. you think like Blake Nelson's uh, in the incredible Hulk, like they had, right. they had positioned him to become uh, the, the leader. Right. So yeah. Which may I mean, still happen. You just never know. It could. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 They, they dropped the Wakanda clue early on, and you're like, okay, maybe they are going to go and op open the door to Black Panther, but they just dropped it to see if maybe if right. we might explore that down the road. We can connect it up, and it might work. So you love Oh, I was that. convinced. The moment that Mark Ruffalo in Age of Ultron was talking about the the – the, the vibranium hmm. when he was just like well like wakanda i was like oh they're going to wakanda <laughs> like well in, in a little bit not just yet a couple of years yeah. <laughs> a couple of years still a couple of years still for sure. <laughs> but look i i like this idea because it opens the door for so many more things to come through here and more characters to be explored 
uh, more series to come out as well, because all three of us are really enjoying Hawkeye. And look, the timing of this announcement is really interesting. Yeah, we have those leaked photos. People have been speculating that Charlie Cox is coming back for months now, right? So this is Feige maybe kind of slightly getting ahead of this thing, but only barely uh, for a comment. But don't, I mean, you mentioned Mike where he could pop up. Is it out of the room possibility he could show up in Hawkeye in the last couple episodes after No Way Home has come out? Is that a possibility that he could show up Absolutely, in the, in the yeah. finale with Kingpin? And then they yeah. launch something from there. That's possible too. Oh God, you just got me so excited. I got, I got a little <laughs> shiver. I got geek shivers when you said it. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, a friend of ours, when we came out of Eternals uh, with the two post-credit sequences, uh, his, his first reaction was, I wonder if Marvel's gonna collapse under their own weight. Like, are they doing too much? Like, phase, like phases one through three were so, once we sort of knew what was going on, clearly built around, there are six Infinity Stones, Thanos wants them, Yeah. there's an Infinity Gauntlet, we know what happens. Like, if you've read the comics, you have an idea of where this is all going. And like, collecting those stones and where are the stones became a big part of like, phase two and phase three and figuring all that out. And phase four so far is so far reaching and so all over the place. And to your point, Johnny, we've got the Eternals and the Celestials up in the sky. We've got the Ten Rings and we don't know what they are. The multiverse has been ripped wide open. Scarlet Witch is now the most powerful character in the entire universe and she wants to find her kids. And now on top of all of that, we got Blade in the mix and we've got all these ground level heroes popping up. Uh, and Kingpin is here, hopefully, baby. Yeah. I'm sure he is. If he's not, I'm pissed. We'll find out. Um, <laughs> God. But... But with all of this going on, there's no clear indication right now. And we know that the Fantastic Four are off in the distance and yeah. that even further than them, we've got the mutants. So right. there's so much that there is that fear of like, do they know what they're doing? Like, is there are, are there too many plans in the works? Yeah. Um, but I kind of have a feeling that they have enough of a sense uh that uh on that marvel whiteboard that uh if anybody took a picture of it at marvel headquarters they would probably get shot but uh but we all want to see that whiteboard real real bad but uh but you know that there's that there are there is some kind of way that all of this is going to make sense um but man it's a lot it's exciting yeah and, and not just out there and not just multiverse like werewolf by night and blade and uh you know that that moon knight you're entering into the occult into the mystic as well so it's almost like four different different quadrants they're working in at the same time to either satisfy a certain section of fans or, or satisfy uh, if you're an overall enjoyer of marvel that you can go all these different places and enjoy but there's enough for you to enjoy if you only like one section or a couple of sections so there's something for everybody and they're expanding their reach in that way and we'll see. Like I don't know about collapsing, but we'll see if we're going to get good product to, for all of these quadrants to keep them going. I think that's really the most important thing because you know uh, we we had split feelings about the Eternals here on this show. So you could argue that that didn't 100 percent work for a lot of people. Okay, where are we going to go next? Is that going to work? Because Hawkeye seems to be working for us overall. What's next? Is that going to work? So it's it's a constant state of. Having them prove, you know, I just watched the Beatles documentary and Ringo Starr said this uh, in that Get Back documentary. He said, the pro that's the problem with us. Everything we do now has to be great or else yeah. we, we, we just get completely destroyed versus other artists. And it's like, yeah, you, you set the plate for yourself. You kind of now have to fill it. That's how I feel every morning when I wake oh, up. Oh, Lord almighty. <laughs> I do think uh, one, one sort of, one sort of, um, 
not guess, but something that occurred to me when we were mm-hmm. watching Hawkeye uh, the other day is that when you look at phases one through three, as much as it was huge and we got that in, in that shot at the end of Endgame with everybody run the splash page from heaven oh, yeah. where everybody was running, it's still relatively contained within the world of like Earth at least. Like like mm-hmm. there was a bunch of superheroes who were basically the Avengers couple other outliers like Winter Soldier and a couple other people. But for the most part, the super-powered people, you kind of knew who they were. They were a team, and they saved mm-hmm. the world. Um, and you kind of see that in now in Hawkeye where you see, you know, the musical, uh, Rogers the musical, yeah. everybody in Times Square dresses the characters. And for the most part, people really look at them as you saved us. You did this great thing. You were the heroes. But as we look at the Kate Bishops rising up, as we mm. look at characters like Blade and the Black Knight, as we look yeah. at Moon Knight, as we look at the potential of Daredevil, I think what you're starting to see is the generation after the Avengers, there's a bunch of costumed people running around in the yeah. MCU now that, that people might not be as keen on. Mm-hmm. And that might lead directly into mutants. I mean, you can really see them building this world where there was a golden age where these heroes saved us, but then everything went to shit. And now everyone's in a costume and what the fuck is going on. And maybe that's part of the road we're going down. Um, there, there, there's uh, Kevin Feige's got a plan. I, I would pay big money to just peer in his head for five minutes and be like, what the fuck's going on in here? Well, according to you, he's got multiple plans. So he, he does, he, he, you know, whatever's going to work out in that way yeah and, and you're right that's the thing that that is is, is um i don't know it's just overwhelming and exciting to see if it's all gonna work out and he's just are they running out of actors to play the villains though i mean you know it's great that they're getting all these great actors to play heroes but are they going to be able to bring in the level of quality of actors for villains as well i'm looking forward to that's that it. i want to see it. there's always more actors buddy <laughs> There's yes, always are, more actors. Are there always more good actors? That <laughs> there's good actors. Yeah, I'm uh, you know, I'm just saying. Uh, what right, do you think? Yep. What do you think would be the more egregious sin? Mm. To take a picture of that whiteboard, or to go in and erase it? If he's foolish enough not to have it back somewhere. <laughs> Honestly, it's taking a picture. It's taking a picture. Every time, every t- every time Amy Pascal says anything, you know, he's like, wipe ta- it down. Take it, taking a picture of that whiteboard is even worse. I think they have a dummy whiteboard for Amy Pascal and a real whiteboard someplace else. <laughs> and Tom Holland, just to be fair, and Tom Holland and Mark Ruffalo. And other people that have uh, spoiled stuff in the past. So. Kevin, did you move this into a different room? Nope, nope. Same room. Same room. Same room. <laughs> Wasn't that orange? Nah, no idea what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> all right. Anyway, well, we're excited. We're, we're excited to see the Charlie Cox. And, and I think we can put our money down that he's going to show up at some point in Spider-Man No Way Home. And we'll see if he shows up in Hawkeye, but it's exciting to open the door. I think he's the first official person, if I'm not incorrect here, to walk through the door of the MCU from the Netflix shows. So this well, could, okay. I mean, technically, technically we got Kingpin. a, we got a, we, we got a meaty, we got a meaty what? paw did, in episode but... three. So <laughs> that's fair. So he may be the first person we actually physically see facially before we see Charlie Cox. We shall see the next episode as we're recording this episode of geek buddies drops tonight. We'll definitely have our review a little bit later on this week for sure. Our spoiler review. And if you haven't watched our spoiler three review, that is up 
as well as, as as you are watching this episode is up on the channel and on our podcast feed. So, all right, well, that's uh, that's a good way to wrap up this episode of the Geek, uh, the Geek Buddies. Thank you all so much for joining us and hanging out with us. Talk about all things going on in the world of geekdom. Shannon, what do we have to tell? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK2. And if you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Mikey? Um, listen, accessibility, values, <laughs> human-centric care. That is what the Geek Buddies are all about as well as our friends at Carbon Health. Oh, and nice. if you want more of all three of those pillars, <laughs> you stay here at the Geek Buddies. Uh, and here's what you can do to keep oh. those pillars pillaring. Um, you can hit that like button below, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page, leave us some comments below. Where do you think Marvel is going? What do you think about Shang-Chi 2? What do you think this new series is going to be? Penguin, Spider-Verse, Matrix, all of it. Let us know below. Uh, if you're listening to us on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere podcasts are available, please leave us some stars and some comments. Helps us go up in the rankings so when people search uh, entertainment podcasts, they find these three smiling faces and as always the best thing that you guys can do is uh retweet this video post it on your socials tell everybody how much fun you have with the geek buddies and how charming these two are uh and uh and you know you can talk about me too if you want uh and that's what you can do for us and we would really appreciate it thank you so much absolutely we just crossed 19,400 followers or subscribers rather here on the outlaw nation channel let's get to 20,000 by the end of the month if you watch this and you haven't subscribed to the channel, please make up those 600 so we can get to 20,000 by the end of the month. And as Mikey mentioned, this show is brought to you by Carbon Health, sponsored by Carbon Healthier. They are a leading national healthcare provider with a mission to bring high-quality healthcare to everyone, urgent care, primary care, virtual care, 90 clinics in 14 states, and virtual care in 24 states. Hey, take care of yourself. It's very important in life. As Mikey and Shannon point Feige's got a crap ton of plans. So you want to be around for a number of years to enjoy all the stuff as it comes to fruition. And maybe your favorite Marvel character that hasn't seen the light of day yet may come to the forefront here while you're still alive. And don't you want to be there to enjoy it? So take care of yourself and go through Carbon Health and get checked out today for anything or any concerns you might have. Uh, All right. Thank you all so much. That's it from us. You guys take care of yourselves. Be well. And we'll talk to you next time on another brand new episode here from the Geek Buddies. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. 
So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.